Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Mizutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome back to another edition of Inside Purple and Gold, Odyssey's new Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Jace Frederick here with co-host and Pioneer Press colleague, Dane Mizutani. I'm going to be honest, Dane. There's a lot of things about training camp and preseason that, frankly, do not excite me. Uh, Certainly, we watch, we tune in, all these things, but not a big fan of doing the hand-wringing over who gets the 53rd spot and and who, you know, will play a few snaps on special teams throughout the season, but... This is probably the week that intrigues me the most. Um, the joint practices, Minnesota just held its first one today, Wednesday, August 17th with San Francisco. You were there in Egan, now coming to us from the bowels of TCO Performance Center in Egan. What stood out on day one, Minnesota versus San Francisco, starters, starters, we see everybody going up against one another. Uh, main takeaways, I guess, just to start? Yeah, I think you're right. Like Training camp as a whole, like the ramp up to it seems really fun. And then you get into training camp and you're like, this kind of sucks. Like, it's kind of boring. <laughs> like, like I know there are people out there that are like diehard pouring over like the last 52, 53rd person who's going to make the team. But like by all intents and purposes, like training camp does get boring, which to your point, joint practices make it fun. I think it makes it fun. Like, like personally for me, it makes it fun. But I think more importantly, the Vikings and you mentioned the 49ers are in town. It makes it fun for them. And that's something that was a huge takeaway for me today, like just talking to the guys after practice, even talking to the Vikings before. Kirk Cousins returned from COVID. Um, Wes Phillips' offensive coordinator talked today, and they're at Donatel defensive coordinator talked today before the practice even started. And everyone kept saying the same thing. You know, we're just excited to hit someone else. We're just excited to play against someone else um, and like get more – I guess, exposure to different defenses. By this time in training camp, you're so in the weeds, I think, as an offense going up against your own defense, as a defense going up against your own offense. So you've seen basically what to expect. So coming away from practice today, I kind of tracked the offense most of the time. It's just so hard with how TCO is set up. It's three fields. So you basically have to pick one and hope you're on the right one. Watched a lot of the first-team offense go up against the first-team defense my main takeaway from that, Justin Jefferson is really good. I'm not breaking any news there. He was destroying every every corner in his path, basically. Whether it's a short dig over the middle, um, you know, a nine route over the top, whatever it was, he was open. Um, there were a couple flags thrown his way. It's pretty much the only way that the Niners could stop him today. Um, that stood out for sure. Kirk Cousins looked okay. Um, he threw a pretty bad pick on a – it looked like a wheel route to Dalvin that he just – didn't see the linebacker there, the safety over the top. Um, but, the, you know, all these things, um, I think just the main takeaway was I think the offense is going to be good. Um, I'll check in more with the defense tomorrow. Like I said, it's hard to kind of be in both places at once. Um, but first team offense looked good today. And, you know, obviously the, the, we've talked about the backup quarterback too. Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion split those reps. Um, that was another interesting wrinkle for sure. It's the thing about these joint practices because, you know, everybody watches the preseason games or most of the people at least listening to this podcast do. And you get a taste of things. Um, we see in game one, like, you know, we, we talked about Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion, but so much of it is so many guys are resting. Um, so many guys aren't playing, even guys on the other team aren't playing. So then it's, it's tough to gauge things uh, to mm-hmm. pull much out of it. 
but we're seeing everybody in this. Um, or almost everybody is taking part in all of these uh, drills. So you're kind of seeing best on best. And like Trey Lance, for instance. So joint practice number one was today. Uh, joint practice number two is Thursday. And then the preseason game is Saturday. And the 49ers have said this all along, reiterated it today. Trey Lance is not going to play in that game right. on Saturday. So we're not going to see the Vikings defense against Trey Lance there. We will see that or did see that this week. Uh so it's. I think sometimes you can almost pull more out of it uh, in that sense where we're seeing like more best on best than you'll see at any point in the preseason. Uh, for me, I guess like it's it's still like a lot of drills and whatnot. Uh, but what did you like? Or what are you looking forward to maybe seeing from Trey Lance um, as we move forward here? Because that is a Minnesota guy that I think a lot of Vikings fans have interest in. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you bring that up about you know, he's not going to play in Saturday's game. And I think that's okay. And we talked to George Kittle, 49ers tight end after practice. And he was like, I think these two practices mean way more than the game because that's kind of what I wanted to get to as well. Yeah, totally. Because Trey Lance, if you play him in the game on Saturday in the preseason game, against the Vikings, which again, the the, the Niners have said, he's not going to play. Maybe that changes if they suffer an injury in practice this week, you got to throw him in, whatever. If he did play in that game on Saturday, he's playing like a series, maybe two, maybe three, maybe three. Uh, But he's getting a ton more reps in practice. And by nature, like obviously in practice, you get more reps. But he's getting reps against opposing teams and opposing players. And I think what I'm looking forward to seeing tomorrow is like in the limited time that I saw him today, again, you have to kind of pick a field. You could see his arm. And, And we watched him in seven on seven. He has a cannon arm. We know that he has a cannon arm. Um, I'm interested in kind of digging in tomorrow and seeing, like, how does he pro- go through these progressions? I know that's the thing with a lot of these young quarterbacks. Like, are they a first-read quarterback? Can he get to his third read in these progressions against – look, I know Patrick Peterson isn't who he used to be, but he's still a darn good football player. Same with Harrison Smith. It Can, can Trey Lance get through these progressions against a defense that's showing him a multiple looks, that's looking – like one thing before the snap and then once the ball is gone is actually something completely different. Can Trey Lance process that in real time quickly? I think that's something we'll see in practice tomorrow, maybe even more than we would have seen in a game uh, on Saturday. So as a whole, I think these practices are, are going to, you know, accomplish what, what they want, you know, from both sides. Um, and, and when you look at it, that's why teams across the league have started to do this because at, at a certain point in training camp, you, you're just kind of beating a, you know, a dead horse with trying to practice against each other. And it helps to have a change of scenery. One thing I did want to touch on that kind of interested me personnel wise from what I've seen from that is that Ed Ingram did practice with the ones um, at guard at this point. Do you think Ingram is like, would be the betting favorite to be the starting guard come week one? Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have said that last week. Um, I wouldn't, I don't even know if I would have said it coming out of Sunday um, because he, you know, Jesse Davis got the first team reps on Sunday in the preseason game. Mm-hmm. Edder Ingram looked really good in the second team reps, but I thought, and maybe this is just kind of your affinity to Mike Zimmer, like working with Zimmer for so long, rookies just don't start, especially right, on the offensive right. line. You look at it, Brian O'Neill, one of the best right tackles in the game, didn't start to like week six of his rookie year because they don't throw them into the fire like that. After leaving practice today, Ed Ingram took every single rep with the ones. Jesse Ingram or Jesse Davis, when he was in, took all of his reps with the twos. So I think the Vikings are saying 
Ed, take this. This is yours. Uh, it's on a platter. Please take the starting role from Jesse Davis, this veteran. Uh, yes. So Ed Ingram, I think he's the, bet- the betting favorite right now. I don't know how he couldn't be um, after seeing what we're seeing in practice today. Um, tomorrow will also be telling. Um, but it goes back to what we've talked about, about these joint practices all along. It's ones on ones. It's your best versus my best. And right now the Vikings want to see what Ed Ingram looks like against the San Francisco 49ers best. I think that's what's fortunate for Minnesota is that getting the second preseason game and more importantly, the joint practices that come with it against an opponent like San Francisco, like that's an excellent barometer. We, Mm -hmm. this was a team that was in the NFC title game last year, really close to being in the Super Bowl. We expect them to be back in the playoffs this time around. They're really well-rounded and good all across the field. You kind of learn, you're going to learn a lot right now. Not to say that this is the end-all be-all, not to say that you can't have a bad Wednesday, Thursday and still have a good regular season. But as far as just seeing where you're at, uh, I think San Francisco is going to be the one that's going to expose a lot of flaws and maybe tell you like, hey, maybe we're better than we thought right here, right now. Um, So I, I think they're pretty fortunate to get such a good team um, because like, Hey, if you can hold up against San Francisco's defensive front, then you're probably in better shape than you thought. Or you might see like, okay, we are even farther behind than we thought because they destroyed us. Like they will destroy a lot of teams this year. Right. Exactly. And I think like to that point, you got to see Nick Bosa, you know, one of the best pass rushers in the game, maybe the best going up. The the Niners are moving him around. He was going up against Christian Derrissaw at times going up against Brian O'Neill at others. And Obviously, from a 49er standpoint, you want to see what he looks like against these bookend tackles. But for for the Vikings, like, what a privilege to have someone like that going up against Christian Derrissaw, seeing what he looks like in real time, going up against Brian O'Neill, really pushing him in that area. So, yeah, you see a lot of these, these internal competitions happening. And, you know, I joked about Justin Jefferson at the beginning. Like, we learned that he's really good. But I think at the same time, while he's dusting these cornerbacks and everyone in the 49er secondary – uh, it's probably making the 49ers cornerbacks better. Like they'll probably leave Minnesota on Saturday night or, you know, sun early Sunday morning, whenever they hop on their, their charter plane back to the Bay feeling like, all right, well, we got some good work in. There's a lot, a lot of room to improve. And I think the Vikings will probably feel the same way, you know, probably not from Jefferson's standpoint, because I don't expect anyone to be better than him, you know, on the opposite side of the ball, but there will be things throughout the next, tomorrow's practice, like a Saturday's game where the Vikings do get thoroughly beat by the Niners. And you can leave this weekend being like, okay, we got this to work on that to work on um, ahead of September 11th opener against green Bay. How did you think the offensive front held up today? I mean, obviously it's a couple hours, you know, certain drills they're not even a part of, uh, but just from the limited action you saw like Nick Bosa and the different areas he was lining up, how did Minnesota fare? How did they hold up? Overall, I think, fine like just fine like there were times where and it's so hard in practice because like obviously they're not bringing anyone to the ground and they're definitely not sacking the quarterback so there are plays that Kirk Cousins would fire off to you know say you know a 15-yard route to Adam Thielen to pass and catch whatever completion maybe he would have been sacked there were a couple of those iffy like did the pocket collapse there it sure looked like it did um, where just your eye test is saying that that's probably a sack. Um, but overall, like, I think it, it held up fine at times They, you know, he had his pocket to throw in. There were times when Kirk was on the run at times. Um, and I don't think that's by design. I don't think it was, I think it was the pocket broke. I needed to scramble. It did. I don't think it was a scramble drill. Like when we're, when they're working in 11s, 
Um, but overall, I think there's reason to be encouraged by the offensive line so far. Um, I guess we just really won't know for sure until September 11th because no matter what, whether they, you know, they're going to play the Niners in the preseason game on, on Saturday, they're going to play the Broncos a week from later. You're not totally going to see the ones on ones on ones until September 11th. So I'm a little encouraged by the offensive line, but that's still probably one of my biggest concerns or biggest, if the season goes off the rails, what will it be from? It'll be from the offensive line. So we'll see that there's reason to be encouraged right now. Um, but, you know, but I hate to take the cop out answer and say it, but we're not going to totally know in, until the season opener. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and frankly, that's I'm right there with you as far as like it's the offensive line. and How does that hold up? It's the same things that we saw last season. Um, it's it's the offensive line. And how does that hold up? And it's defensively, you know, are they much improved? Like they really need to be much improved from last year's mm-hmm. team, which you know, frankly, it's it's kind of hard to see that as a possibility. But it, like maybe just getting Daniel Hunter back and Zadarius Smith, it makes it can a good pass rush can kind of change everything for you and make everything right. easier for everyone else. So that's where I'm going to be interested to see what you see tomorrow as you pay more attention to the defensive side, what we see Saturday in that preseason game, uh, because it's literally offensive line and the entire unit as a defense will probably make or break this season, and that's something we'll talk more about here as as we get closer to that September 11th date. Uh, you talking about Justin Jefferson shredding everybody, it just made me think of I was just digging through like season long prop bets this year, uh, this morning for this upcoming season. And this surprised me because I was interested in like Justin Jefferson and the general intrigue and the prop betting lines. There's a bunch there for receivers. As far as receiving yards go, Justin Jefferson has the highest over under for receiving yards ahead of Cooper cup um, heading into this next season. 1,350 yards. It's 50 yards higher than where Cooper Cup's at. So, you know, like we've talked about, he's talked about wanting to prove he's the best receiver in football. Um, We've talked a little bit about his upside uh, coming up here, and we'll get way more into that as well in these coming weeks. But the outside expectation is that Justin Jefferson is going to be right there statistically and maybe at the top. Um, Because if you're hitting that over, you're expecting a massive season. You're leading the league in receiving. What what they're saying is... Will Justin Jefferson lead the league in receiving? Essentially, right, right, right. And his, his over under being fifty yards higher than Cooper Cups, who just set the world on fire last year, says a lot. I think about the pro- trajectory uh, that they hope he takes. Sure. Back One thing the, I want to talk about well, before yeah, we wrap it, up before we wrap up the the joint practices because I know we got a ton of other stuff we want to talk about. Me and you were texting about this before I I got out there today on Wednesday. One of the most hilarious storylines of, of joint practices is fighting. And you tweeted about this today, and I was going to pull that up. Damien's a ton yeah. tweet. The dumbest thing about joint practices are the fights. Yet here I am watching the Vikings and the 49ers at TCO Performance Center, hoping for something to happen. Am I the drama? Yes, you're dumb. No, nobody like there is so much drama and like random stuff cooked up in sports all the time. We really need fighting in practice. Like that's what we need, Dane. You're, that's what we need to get something out of this. I understand that it is stupid. I understand that if a fight were to happen and I were to tweet something about it, it would people would latch onto it. And I yeah. understand the concept that that is stupid. Like yes. I am contributing to that ridiculous narrative that oh my god this guy threw a punch like the, the world is you know what what's going on it means nothing it's really stupid but what i wanted to talk about before we wrapped up was something that it seems like a, such a well duh comment 
but it, it stuck out to me from practice. Okay. So the whole practice we're watching, like, again, I watched the Vikings one offense for the Niners one defense. There were some chippiness, you know, Adam Thielen shoving, I think safety, George Odom. I don't know who that is, but he is a safety for the, the 49ers. Um, and in my mind, like, Oh, is, is something going to boil over or whatever? That's just definitely something I'm trying to will to happen because I'm bored in practice two hours in. We talked about it's easy to write about if it happens too. really. Exactly. Easy I got the notebook today. Um, so we talked to Kyle Shanahan after practice and one of the 49ers reporters asks like, what'd you think of today? Also, how much of an emphasis was there on not fighting? <laughs> and Kyle goes a huge emphasis on not fighting. In fact, me and Kevin O'Connell had a deal that if anyone throws a punch, they immediately get kicked out of practice, which to me, Bravo. I know I'm cheering for the fights, but like at the end of the day, what are you here for? You're not here to fight. You're not here to throw hands. You're here to work on the, on the game, get better. And it's nice to me that like these coaches at least had this like expectation set, like, look, go ahead, go hard, but don't throw a fight. We're not here for that. I am the drama Jays. I'm still hoping for one tomorrow, but I, I, I very much understand that it's stupid. I certainly think the likelihood of these things increasing on day two is high. Um, I, I mean, just getting the extra day out there, you just went up against the same guys yesterday. They finally maybe get under your nerves a little bit. I do think maybe that's becoming more of like the standard um, at these joint practices because I've seen following a lot of reporters just kind of around the NFL, more guys getting kicked out, uh, more guys just getting mm-hmm. sent out the field, sent home. And I think there might be more of these types of agreements um, where it's like, hey, don't do this or you're out of here and that's not preventing everybody from doing it for not doing it because clearly some guys are getting thrown out of practice for the day which i'd imagine from the coaching staff you are not happy to do with that player and we'll discuss with that player afterwards uh so good i guess on both minnesota and san francisco for withholding um or keeping the the tempers down to some degree um adam thielen just you know keeping it to a shoving match and not throwing any fisticuffs uh but yeah, I do think it has kind of become more the standard because this used to be like these joint practices was like fight, 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 fight at all of them. Multiple fights per practice, um, mm-hmm. scuffles that like, changed in size. But it, there, and that was across the NFL. And I think a lot of coaches are like, we're not doing it for this. This is stupid. Let's try to get something out of this. Um, so I think it's maybe moving in a positive direction for us sane people and a bad direction for you. <laughs> so we'll leave it there, right? I guess we'll uh, <laughs> leave it there and... We'll circle back the next time there's a huge brawl in training camp. I can't wait. Can't wait for you to just be so excited for that discussion. All right, we're back with Inside Purple and Gold, Odyssey's new Minnesota Vikings podcast. Please follow, like, subscribe, anywhere where you're listening to this on all platforms. Dane, when San Francisco comes to town, we've talked about San Francisco in the past. It's a team that intrigues us. It's a team that intrigues a lot of people. I think their quarterback situation, not only this year, but last year, is really, really intriguing in the sense that it you can look at it and I think draw a lot of things out of Minnesota's situation as well from that. And I mean that in a couple different ways. Um, first off, there's obviously the topic of San Francisco was a good team. Jimmy Garoppolo had led them to a lot of wins. And yet it was last year. At you know, pre-draft, they decided to pull the trigger on a big trade and move up, go up to number three, and draft Trey Lance. And Jimmy Garoppolo is still their quarterback for another year, but they had their guy in waiting who they knew was coming. And then they part ways with Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason, still on the roster, but he's gonna end up somewhere we're pretty sure. Um, mm-hmm. but 
it, it is something that I think some people have wanted Minnesota to consider for a while. The Vikings have not taken that route. Uh, they have continued to move forward with Kirk Cousins and do not have any type of succession plan in place. Now, we'll see if that changes if they don't get the results they want here in year one under Kevin O'Connell. But how have you thought that this has just played out in general uh, for San Francisco as far as going with the younger guy? Uh, having him sit behind a veteran who has proven he can win, having success with that veteran, sticking to your plan, and now being in a place where you have a Trey Lance that they're very excited about moving into um, his first season under center, second season in the league. Sure. I think it's a perfect model for Minnesota to follow in like a year or two. Um, I think it would have been a perfect model for them to follow last year even. Um, you know, maybe Mac Jones, like I know you're a huge Mac Jones guy. It would have made sense to let Mac Jones sit under Kirk for a year and then not resign Kirk to this contract this off season and let Mac Jones take, take the reins. I'm saying that because I, I think Trey Lance league wide is, is viewed as someone who is capable of taking a step this year or helping the Niners take a step this year. What does that look like? that's hard to kind of contextualize because the Niners taking a step this year would be them getting to the Super Bowl, right? Because Jimmy Garoppolo got them to the NFC Championship game. I think a step for them is winning the Super Bowl because they were just there like three or four years ago at the Super Bowl. They've been that kind of team. Sure. But I think all of that, you know, the, you know, can Trey Lance get them over the hump is all rooted in what is their ceiling with Trey Lance? What can Trey Lance help do what can he help transcend that yeah Jimmy Garoppolo is a great quarterback great leader but do we have a capped ceiling does everything need to go perfectly for for it to work with Jimmy Garoppolo and I think yes like I think that's 100% true and I think that's 100% true with Kirk Cousins too I think there are intangibles that are different between Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins that I'll let you get into yeah but I think the the archetype of quarterback that they are they're both pretty talented. I would argue that Kirk has a better bag than Jimmy Garoppolo as far as just throwing the ball. Um, maybe you would disagree, but they, they're, they're the same type of quarterback and they're the same type in how they play. They're the same type in, you know, how they run an offense and they're the same type in how they limit their team's ceiling. And I think, the Vikings ceiling is limited because of Kirk Cousins. I think the Niners ceiling was limited because of Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's why they went out and drafted Trey Lance. And I think we're going to see this play out in Minnesota. I think we've seen it play out in Minnesota. They just keep doubling down because they want to be quote unquote, very competitive ownership wants, doesn't want to take a step back. Doesn't want to commit to a rebuild. At some point, I think you're going to have to, because I think we've seen the ceiling with Kirk Cousins. And again, I'm a huge critic of Kirk Cousins. He is a good quarterback in the league. I just don't think he's right. good enough to get you over that hump. I yeah, think the same thing could have been said about Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll say, well, I want to get a little bit more into that in a bit um, because I do have theories on that as well. Um, why maybe we don't think he's good enough areas where he needs to be better. Um, those types of things and how that fits in with San Francisco, frankly, as well. But I think just with San Francisco and what they did, it just showed, I think, creativity. It showed taking a risk um, because that could have blown up in their face in a few different ways. It still might. Trey Lance might not be good. Um, you know, I, I think he's shown a lot of abilities. I think he'll be a good quarterback, but until we see it here um, with this first yeah. season under Helm, we don't know. And frankly, what happened was it played out almost exactly like what Kansas city did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Um, totally. You know, Kansas city obviously traded Alex Smith 
to Washington and Jimmy Garoppolo likely would have been traded if not for the shoulder injury. That's kind of sidelined him for all the off season. He's just now getting back, but like, that's the type of taking a risk, maybe believing in what you have on your coaching staff, uh, which Minnesota obviously didn't have that last year, believing in your long-term plan. And maybe if you're as stable as San Francisco, if you're as stable as Kansas city was a few years ago, it's easier to do that. Um, and maybe that's a license from ownership to do that as well. Minnesota, I think because of the position they were in, didn't feel stable enough to do that. Continued to feel like, well, we can't use a first round pick on a quarterback. We have to keep trying to use first round picks on patchwork to get better in other places. Um, so maybe we have a winning team or a good enough team to make the playoffs and see what happens. That seems like what Minnesota has been aiming to do for a really long time is let's just try to be good enough to make the playoffs and see what happens. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like it's really been any kind of championship building. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's been a real long-term vision in mind. It's always like, well, how can we get better this next year? How can we be good enough just this next year? And that answer is always going to be Kirk Cousins. Um, they're very rarely are you going to be able to say, well, the best solution for us to be to win more games this next season is to dump Kirk Cousins and get a rookie or whatever the case may be. That's yeah, because rookies not, generally stink in the league. They're generally not good, which we is saw, fine. We saw that last year. All of the guys yeah. were thrown into the fire. Sands, Mac Jones. Mac Jones was pretty good, but you know the Trevor Lawrence, the Justin Fields, those guys struggled. Um, Zach Wilson, those guys struggled. A lot of that has to do with your environment and what's around you, um, whether that be from coaching staff or talent surrounding you can be not great. Uh, but at least those teams now heading into this next year probably feel like, okay, now Trevor Lawrence has even more experience under his belt as we move into a new coaching staff. Um, let's see what happens. That's probably going to benefit him. But like, I, I just, I, I'm all for these teams and maybe that's why they are winning teams because they have, they're okay. They're yeah. They're forward thinking. They're willing to take some risk, whatever the case may be. And now you're San Francisco and you still like your setup that you have. You experienced success last year. You didn't have to throw away last year. You almost made it to the Super Bowl. And now you feel really good about where you're at at the quarterback position for the next 10 to 12 years and believe you have somebody that even raises your ceiling, like you said, from Super Bowl contender to maybe, you know, from moving forward, now you can be Super Bowl favorite. You know, we'll we'll see how good Trey Lance is. Um, but, like, that is the type of thing, that's the type of move that I think a lot of Vikings fans, not all of them, but a lot of the fans have wanted them to take for a long time. They haven't. Again, I don't know exactly where that blame falls. Does it fall on Rick Spielman? Does it fall on Mike Zimmer? Did it fall on the Wills? Um, I think that yeah. those are all possibilities. Um, but it hasn't happened, and now so we're stuck here. And the, all the planning and hoping is that Kevin O'Connell turns Kirk Cousins into a better version of himself than he's ever been before. I think what the point you're making about like it, there's like a temptation to just run it back, like it's because of job security, right? Like I think Rick Spielman right. tied himself to Kirk Cousins throughout his tenure with the Vikings when he signed him to that unprecedented contract and at drafting a rookie one, you might not have the leash to do it from ownership Two, you might be just too proud to say like, I've screwed this up. So like, yeah, they continue to run it back. And then I think this off season was a perfect example. Like the Wilts came out and said like, yeah, we want to be really competitive. If you were going to rebuild or you were going to commit to a new quarterback or at least commit to a model that worked for Kansas city with Alex Smith being in, in the building, you drafting Patrick Mahomes, letting him sit transitioning to Mahomes the next year. And San Francisco, gonna, frankly, did the same thing with Alex. Smith exactly. And Kaepernick, correct. What I'm getting at is, you could have done that this year. Like right. if you were the Wilfs, you could have done that this year. You could have drafted a quarterback in the first round this year. And you could have just continued forward with Kirk Cousins for a year, 
seen how it worked, and then whether you're good this year, bad this year, whatever, transition to the, the, the new guy next year, whatever rookie this was. I understand this was a down rookie quarterback draft, so maybe that kind of played into it too. Maybe they weren't in love with Malik Willis. Right. Maybe they, you know, whatever. But all I'm saying is like, it's, you've had the opportunity to do that the past two years. And we say like, oh, wow, you know, the Niners are so smart, like for doing this. The Vikings could have done it. They just were too stubborn to, or, it, you know, I guess if you're Spielman, I guess I kind of get it. It's easy for me to sit here behind this microphone and be like, you should have drafted a quarterback when, if ownership has told you, you can't draft one or we're firing you. Like, yeah, I guess you look out for yourself. But if we just look at it all in a vacuum, I think this is why what frustrates a lot of Vikings fans and what I guess I, I guess I see some excitement around the team this year. I think a lot of that is change, new coach, whatever. But I'd say by and large, like there is still a little bit of apathy towards the Vikings as a whole. Maybe I'm just projecting, but like it's because Kirk Cousins is your quarterback. It's because you kind of know what how this story is going to end before it even begins. Um, and I think that's kind of going to be how every season is until you move on. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they they catch lightning in a bottle. It worked last year for the Rams, which was probably the worst thing that could have happened for for you know anyone who wants the Vikings to move forward. Because if you're the Wilfs and you see, oh, Matthew Stafford came in and with a new voice, they were Super Bowl champions, you probably convince yourself like Kirk's just as good as Matthew Stafford. Let's just get the guy who just won the Super Bowl or like someone from that coaching tree and we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. doesn't work like that. It's not that easy. I think we see the ending of this story before it even begins. It's just like every other season that Kirk Cousins has been here. I love that example. We'll get to something else here in a sec, a different kind of angle on this. But what always that example for me is always like, it's not like they brought in a different coach for Matthew Stafford. They brought in Matthew Stafford. Like they had a a coaching staff in place, you know, they liked their offense already and they were elevating it. Uh, It's not the same. It's apples and oranges. Exactly. It's the exact opposite. Like now we're taking something that is kind of, or kind of hasn't, and we're going to just bring in a new coach and hope that that's the difference versus bringing in a new quarterback where that is more likely to be the difference Uh, to say that Matthew Stafford, just getting coming in and, and getting, a new circumstance is what made him a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Sure. But Kirk Cousins only new circumstance is the coach, you know? So it's, I think it's a it's an example we've heard of a lot. It's an example that definitely was brought up around Super Bowl time, and it's not I don't think the best example because it's it's very different as far as like what is exactly changing um, in each certain situation. But inside purple and gold, Jace Frederick, Dame Zutani, talking a little bit joint practices, but we moved on to the quarterback discussion and. I want to get into one more different angle of this thinking about San Francisco, thinking about Minnesota um, here in our final segment. Dane, I kind of split up quarterback, and I think we've talked in the past, and I've said kind of two buckets. Maybe it goes in three buckets. Um, There's definitely the physical abilities, and this is where you see like a guy like Trey Lance shine. You mentioned the rocket arm. Um, He also obviously has the tremendous mobility. This is a guy who could rush for a thousand yards this year. Nobody would be overly surprised. We'll see kind of how San Francisco sets up that offense around him, how Kyle Shanahan uses that rushing ability. Uh, I do think then also there is just simply reading defenses, um, reading alignments, knowing coverages that are coming, being able to check um, and check into different plays, run plays, audibles, whatever the case may be, just even getting your change of protection uh, to be best prepared. Uh, And then, Outside of that, then the third one is one that I don't think is discussed enough. It's obviously everybody recognizes it, but maybe doesn't weigh the value of importance of it. And it's leadership. And I do think that 
obviously defense needs a leadership as well. Um, sometimes that can come from like your linebacker, middle linebacker, safety, whatever the case may be. But offensively, it, it comes down to the quarterback. Like that is who leads that group. Um, yes, they have the ball in their hands. That's part of it. They're also the person delivering the message in every single huddle before every single play. Um, I Just being in pro sports, you know this, I know this, like it's touched on a lot by players and coaches, but that's because it really matters. Teams that don't have leadership generally don't fare very well. Teams that do, you can just kind of feel it. And those teams have not only success, but consistent success. Um, and we've seen just the different of that and how that can almost elevate players and teams uh, just because they are all united. They're behind certain people. Those people are leading everybody else in the right direction. Uh, so those are the three buckets. And I think what's interesting is ideally your quarterback, Tom Brady, whatever the case may be, has like pretty good in all of them, right? Like Tom Brady's all got, the a great, buckets. Yep, got a great arm. Uh, you know, he's, he certainly knows like opposing defenses in and out. He knows his offense in and out. And yeah, you know, like he's a great leader. We've seen that in many examples, no matter where he goes, um, different players. That's all been talked about. I do think you can also get by with guys who have some, like who maybe are like really good in something. And like Trey Lance, I think is coming into a starting role with like the abilities, like, through the roof um, as far as what he can do, like almost just like, like talent, right? Yes, raw talent. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And that's maybe where Kyler Murray has shined. We've seen like with raw talent and then there's been talk about Kyler Murray. Does he study enough? All these types of things. Um, and I'm not sure the leadership, I'm not sure, but just with raw talent, he's great. Like he's not elite, um, but he's really good. And they've won, you know, 500, about 500 with him under center in recent years. And then, you know, then we've got guys like like Jimmy Garoppolo. And maybe I agree with you when you mentioned earlier, Kirk Cousins better than has more tools in the box as far as being a passing quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't disagree with that at all. But I do think that Jimmy, A, like seems to know the schemes pretty well, seems to know opposing defenses really well. This is not something that gets talked about a bunch, except it does in San Francisco, that Jimmy Garoppolo was apparently excellent at checking into runs, like mm -hmm. knowing where, where to send a run, which run to go to on a given play. And that's huge. Um, and maybe that has had something to do with the rushing success they've had in recent years. But the biggest thing with Jimmy Garoppolo was definitely the leadership. And that was on display even last year when all the talk was, hey, maybe this guy should be out of a job. Where's Trey Lance? All this stuff constantly get thrown at him um and yet he just continued to perform lead them to wins um and you could hear like the leadership and the quotes from opposing from his teammates um after mm -hmm. games the end of the season here's what george kittle said about jimmy garoppolo after the green bay win last year in the playoffs the i'll parenthesize stuff that he takes excuse my language just consistently people try to pull him down and all he does is try to deliver and he leads this team he's a sense of calm in the huddle he's a sense of calm in the storm he allows us to play football at a high level Nick Bosa, after that same game, I'm impressed with his demeanor just as a leader. A lot of people give him crap for whatever, but he's as cool and collected as a quarterback of a quarterback as I've ever had, and he's a perfect guy to lead us where we need to go. And then there was Debo Samuel after the season. I've been a Jimmy fan since I've been there. When I say I'm going to rock with him, I'm going to rock with him. Even if he's not a part of the team, I'm still going to be a Jimmy fan. Like, I, I don't think it can be overstated. Like, when people believe in their quarterback and they want to play with their quarterback, and it's almost like, oh, I'll run through a wall for my quarterback. Like, we talk about that with, like, college football coaches all the time. I think it matters quite a bit for mm -hmm. your quarterback as well. And that's at all levels, frankly. Uh, so, like, maybe where Jimmy Garoppolo is lacking in certain areas, he made up for it in others. Where Trey Lance might lack in certain areas just because it's his second year, he makes up for in other areas. 
And I do think that those three buckets kind of do make like what's a quality quarterback and what's not. And you can be pretty good if a couple are full or very high. Uh, you can be one of the best if all three buckets are full. Where do you think Kirk maybe succeeds in those areas? And where do you think he lacks and needs to maybe catch up in some of these other areas? I think it's pretty obvious, right? Like he lacks in the leadership bucket. I was going to say, and, have you ever heard a Vikings player deliver any quotes like players say about Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco? For last no, time? the way that Kirk, the rhetoric around Kirk Cousins is obviously in the media is he's super polarizing, but in the locker room, it almost feels like, look, I, I think Kirk, people like Kirk. I think some people in the locker, I don't think Kirk is universally hated in the locker room. Right. But it kind of feels like at times the quotes we get about Kirk Cousins are like, look, I just got to say this, you know, like, right, sure. Look, he's my quarterback. Like, he makes, you know, takes up 40% of our salary cap. We're not going to move on from him. Like, what does it do? It does Justin Jefferson absolutely no good to not just be like, yeah, Kirk's my guy. Like, if Kirk, if Justin Jefferson comes out this offseason and says, like, I want a new quarterback, like, that does the Vikings no good. It obviously does Kirk Cousins no good, and it does Justin Jefferson no good. He gets labeled diva, whatever, and that follows him for the rest of his career probably. So all the quotes that we hear about Kirk Cousins just feel like they kind of are the most vanilla, milk toast version of like, this is how I'm supposed to talk about my quarterback. And I think they're like that because going back to your buckets, Jace, He's lacking in the leadership bucket. He is. He just is. And I think, fair or not, we 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 talk a lot about Kirk Cousins' record in primetime. Kind of seems like a cherry-picked stat. I get that those are the biggest games against the best teams, whatever, and he's been generally terrible in, in primetime across his career. Uh, but I think we we talk about these things, and, and, and he comes up short in these areas. And I think a lot of times it's because of a lack of leadership or, like, how that leadership manifests itself in a game. I think when Jimmy gets the ball back, Jimmy Garoppolo gets the ball back down six with three minutes to go, people are like, all right, let's go. Let's ride for Jimmy. I'm not sure they feel like that with Kirk all the time. And and I think Kirk has tried to kind of shed this reputation, but it just kind of is what you, you are what you are at, at a certain point. And if you're not, if you don't have this, lightning rod quality about you where guys want to run through a wall for you. If if you try and kind of put on this face and become that, like it's easy to see through. And I think it's easy to see through. I think Kirk is kind of a dork. I think Kirk like at times can get fired up that you like that. Obviously that was, I don't think that was fake. Like you like that. That was real. Probably that made another appearance today. It did. It, it, it But like that, like today, that was a perfect example. Like after Kirk throws a, a ball, to Adam Thielen in a joint practice today early, and there is some jawing. He just screams, you effing like that? Like, bro, mid-August. Like, wh- wh- what are we doing? That's what it feels forced, yeah. It feels fake. It feels like I read a book on, like, what, what could motivate my teammates, and sure. they're like, get jacked up. And it was like, Kirk was just like, okay, well, I'll just do it next. I'll just do it the next time I'm on the field. Like, no, like that doesn't work at, at – what or noon or 11 a.m. in Egan on August, what is it, 17th? Like, yeah, if Kirk throws a bomb on September 11th in the opener against Green Bay for a, a huge game, like 
as time's winding down, sure, let out the F-bomb. You like that, whatever. But I think a lot of this stuff that he's now doing feels a little bit forced. And I think it feels forced because he's just inherently lacking in that leadership bucket. Kirk Cousins has a great arm. He's very accurate. He throws a good deep ball. He's even improved his mobility, uh, kind of. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I I still don't think it's a great thing if Kirk Cousins is is running around and, and doing the scrambling drill and looking upfield. But I think he's improved that area of his game, too. I think he's smart. I think he can check into certain things. I think one of his faults, because he is so smart and good at studying, is that he relies on these certain routes no matter what. He cannot just go give Justin Jefferson a chance. Like if he's saying no because Jefferson's not open, he's never throwing the 50-50 ball. I think that's that also kind of goes into the leadership bucket, like giving your guy a chance. I think all of this is interconnected. And I think it all goes back to the fact that, like you said, some guys have it, some guys don't. Not sure he does. That's and you you talked about uh you know the checks and I, I think we all assume that's there too, but we've also seen like a number of clips in past seasons, whether it be like you know, like former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels, who's pretty heavy on Twitter and film study and whatnot, different guys pointing out like, hey, Kirk Cousins should have seen this front here and checked out of this play, knowing that this was set for disaster, doesn't do anything and it turns into a negative two yard rush. Or like it's very clear in this situation that the protection scheme was not going to block this blitz. Right. This should have been, you know, audible out of, and it wasn't. And now at that point, then everybody just assumes, well, he probably doesn't have the control to do that, which frankly is kind of absurd, especially for a veteran quarterback and shame on the Vikings coaching staff. If you didn't, but I think we all have a hard time thinking otherwise, but that is where, okay, now Kevin Con- O'Connell comes in and he just ran a super bowl winning offense. Um, he's going to, I would assume, set Kirk Cousins up to succeed in whatever he deems the best way possible. Mm-hmm. And so if there is no improvement, if it, we have these same issues, um, but that should also be empowering him as a leader as well. You should put him in every position to do these things that have been seen as flaws before. And if you can unlock him, um, and I think it's possible, I think Kirk Cousins could have the best season of his career in, in multiple ways. I think that's very possible. If he doesn't, if there isn't much progression, now you're looking at it and saying, okay, well, we tried something else. We tried a coach that we believe in. If you're the Vikings organization, we thought this guy might be able to help him take a step forward. He didn't. Um, now you were kind of left out of options other than to find a different path forward at the quarterback position. But that is why this is kind of a prove it year for Kirk Cousins. I'm sure we will discuss that even more here in these next couple of weeks. But it it is one of those things where I just thought of like, here are the things that Jimmy Garoppolo was great at. And he doesn't get credit for a lot of them because leadership, frankly, always just people say, oh, yeah, leader. But then they never actually use it to evaluate anybody, um, you know, like uh, and then we see Trey Lance and his physical abilities and why we think he's going to succeed. And I certainly think we see some reasons why Kirk does succeed. And then in the same way with those same buckets, see why he hasn't quite taken the step forward or won the big games. Uh, meanwhile, you have like a guy like Garoppolo who, you know, goes into the Rams week 17, wins a road game uh, that they have to win to get in and leads a game when he touched on driving the last two minutes of that game, yep. uh, goes into Dallas and wins a wild card game, goes into Green Bay and wins a divisional round game, and then does not do it in the NFC championship game in LA. And kind of frankly gets uh, throttled for that. But like winning big games on the road, just having your team believe in you, I think that's huge. Having like the type of ability to make the big throws like I think Trey Lance has, that's huge. You ideally want somebody to have everything, um, but you need at least a couple of them if you're going to succeed. And I think Kirk for sure has one. I think the arm talent's there. I think he generally, like you said, uh, you know, knows what he wants to do on the field and where to go with it. But I think that could even be improved. And then leadership needs to take a big step forward, I think. Yeah, just to circle back before kind of we cut it, like you're absolutely right about 
the empowering of your leader, right? Like Kirk Cousins may never just be this inherently great leader, but him and Zimmer also hated each other by the end right. of it. The coach when, didn't want him there. I think getting a guy like Kevin O'Connell, who whether he truly believes this or is saying all the right things, whatever, like wants Kirk to succeed. I don't know if Zimmer wanted Kirk to succeed. I think he just wanted the Vikings to succeed. I think it was like, I'll do it with whoever. I think Kevin O'Connell has a vested interest in making Kirk the best quarterback he can be. And I think to your point, some of that is like, yeah, sure. Put him in a good position to succeed. You know, that that you see on film, but some of it is inherent and goes back to his spoken and empowering them to be the leader he, he wants to be, or, just showing him that like, you don't have to act a certain way, just be yourself, but take over. This is your room. Like giving him like carte blanche to, to take over the team. I'm not sure he's felt totally comfortable doing that um, in his tenure under Zimmer. Right. And if you are teammates um, and you are seeing that and you're seeing that the coach doesn't really maybe believe in it, you're probably not as likely to fall in line. Like you might be like, yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Zim's our leader, not this guy here. Um, you know, if you're bringing back players who have been on social media, literally trashing said quarterback, um, and then you're re-signing them <laughs> seasons later, um, it doesn't instill a whole ton of belief uh, that you're going to ride or die with that quarterback that the franchise is going to. So why should you? Um, it's on the coaching staff to at least like instill that confidence. And like you said, and we've said empower Kirk Cousins, and it's on Kirk Cousins to take those reins and do something with it. Uh, totally. We'll see if that happens this year. We'll see. We won't know that until not only the regular season, but until something goes wrong or something looks hard um, until they get into one of those games where the offense isn't moving the ball because the offensive line's getting destroyed. You know, like does Kirk cousins, do they kind of rally around him? Does he make that one big play? Um, do guys make up play for him basically um, to, to make things happen and get over the top and in a game where things are working against them. Um, those are mm-hmm. the times where we're going to see. Um, if, if there's any kind of difference or not. Um, and I look forward to it because frankly, if it is different, then you can start to say, okay, maybe there's a different ceiling for the Vikings team this year. And if not, then you start to say, well, this might be the same old song and dance again. Um, and maybe the more things change, the more they stay the same, but there's a lot of stuff between now and then, uh, we will be back. Dane going to go out again to TCO performance center on Thursday, watch a little bit more defense this time around uh, before we get to the preseason game against San Francisco on Saturday. Thanks so much for joining us on this one. If you enjoyed this, uh, like follow, subscribe to this podcast, wherever uh, you listen to podcasts on any platform. Thanks so much for tuning in to inside purple and gold for Dane Mizutani. I'm Jace Frederick. Goodbye.